You're listening to B2B Nation, a podcast from Technology Advice designed to help marketers navigate the modern B2B buyer's journey. Here's your host, Mike Pastor. How do you grow a business? You do it with marketing. Isn't that right, members of the B2B Nation? Yes, you do. But you don't do it with marketing alone. For one thing, whatever it is you're selling needs to be good and do what it says it will do and deliver value to its users. But even then, do you know the true growth potential of your business or your marketing organization? Take a look at your people, your processes, and your organizational structure, and you just might discover new efficiencies. You might find an easier way to do things or establish more clear lines of communication. I'm Mike Pestor from Technology Advice. On this episode of B2B Nation, we're going to talk about the hidden growth potential of your business. This is the growth you won't unlock with more email blasts or landing pages. Instead, we're talking about the growth potential you might miss because you're so busy, well, planning email blasts and building landing pages. Joining us on this episode is Karen Kimsey Sward, who has spent a career helping growth-focused B2B leaders generate more business by strategically managing their processes, people, and profits. And since this is our final episode of 2020, good riddance, we can't send you off without wishing you, our audience, a happy and, of course, healthy new year. We're hard at work scheduling some new episodes for the new year, so join us. We'll be talking about lead generation, SEO funnels, burnout, and more as we head into what we hope are better days for all of us. Enjoy the episode, and we'll see you in 2021. Karen Kinsey Sward, welcome to B2B Nation. Why don't you take a second, just introduce yourself and tell us what you do. Great. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here today. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. I've had over more than 25 years experience working with a wide range of organizations, really helping them move to the next level of performance. Um, you know, I spend a lot of my time working with leaders, basically on the people side of the business and really working with them to, to drive that profitable growth. I, I bring a, a unique perspective uh, to, to people and to my clients. Um, I, I've been a business owner. Um, I've been through all stages, all the stages of a company's life cycle, from starting up a couple of companies to all the different levels of growth, and actually with, with one company being part of the whole sales process. Uh, success for me is being part of really igniting a company's growth, an organization's growth, and just being part of that. So we like to refer to B2B Nation as the podcast for B2B marketers by B2B marketers. So obviously, we talk a lot about marketing. And mm -hmm. marketers focus a lot on their messaging. They focus a lot about the, on the people they're targeting. And then what happens to leads once they're sent to sales. This is all traditional marketing stuff, right? Right. Where we haven't spent a lot of time on this podcast is what I might call hidden growth potential. So if you're a marketer and you're pleased with your marketing efforts and the growth that they're supporting, what are the things in the processes and the leadership and the organizational structure and the things that might increase your growth if they're refined or changed, but they're not the actual marketing stuff. Actually, one of the, the biggest, if you want to call it, you know, roadblocks, if you can kind of unleash a little bit of that to unleash growth, it's in the area, the connection of, of sales and marketing. And I find that the companies that really have a strong tie with the sales and marketing and it's not looked as differently. I mean, believe it or not, these days still, you have we have organizations of all sizes where sales is here and marketing is here. And a lot of times they have, there's, you know, there's different, um, there's different growth goals. There could be some different agendas. 
And I found that the people that really can unleash the growth and find those hidden gems are the ones that not only work together, they have common goals. The leaders, it starts at the leadership level, they have the common goals. And it's more about how the marketing can help really um, aid and work with the sales process. And the salespeople are tied to the marketing and the marketing goals. I mean, a great example would be how many times your marketing people say, I get all these great leads for our salespeople. And I don't even think they're calling them. What are they doing with it? And then on the other side with the salespeople, they're saying, I'm getting all these leads. You know, I don't know what to do with it. Uh, some of these aren't good. So it's how do you kind of how do you bridge that gap and how do you work together and have that uh, that common language, the common process, the common goals? We've touched on the marketing sales alignment before in this podcast. And every time it comes up, I go back and, and I think like 100, 150 years ago, somebody decided that marketing was over here and sales was over here and they've been a part ever since. And yes. now it makes less sense than ever. <laughs> right. Totally agree. Totally agree. And, and I know the people that I, the companies that I work with, I'm like, no, this is really one. Uh, we always call it smarketing to make it, you know, I think you've probably heard that too, but it's true. Yep. It, it is together. It's totally integrated. And, and, and one without the other does not work. And, uh, and so that's why I strong, strongly recommend, and I think it belongs at the, it starts at the leadership level. Have you worked with companies who've pulled it off, who have integrated them more closely, who have them tightly aligned? And if so, what, what did they do? How did they, how did they go about doing that? Um, first of all, they sat down and, and created a um, kind of a common, common language, common goals and work together, work together on those, on those common goals. Kind of what does success look like? So there's that common, what does success look like? And then having some shared goals, even for example, leads talking about, well, what kind of leads is sales looking for? So it's not like marketing come up because marketing has, they have great data, right? They've got great uh, knowledge. And at the same time, recognizing that sales also has a lot of knowledge about their customers. So the ones that have worked well, the first thing that they've done is they've actually sat down and said, okay, what are our goals? You know, kind of what's the common vision? And, and then working on a process of, of even who are they going to go after? What are they going to do? And really kind of coming out and creating a plan with that. And then also having leaders saying, okay, we're going to commit. And this has worked well. Where, where the sales leader, it's even scripting. What's the scripting around some of the marketing messaging? So it's really taking it down to um, more of a kind of a granular, starting at the top and kind of working through the different process. Because to say, well, let's let's do it. Let's work together. They need to work together. We all get that. Because many times when you start going through that process all the way down, you find that there are things that actually get in the way and, uh, you know, of it. And even to me, another key piece that I found very successful is salespeople need to understand the why. Why is this? You know, why do I need to go after this person? How does this connect in? Uh, many times that, uh, again, this I've seen this work where when you sit down and you say, here's the why, let's talk about the scripting, let's get you involved in this too. So let's all get involved in this at different levels. There's more buy-in. And then there's also one of the things that they've done is do a feedback mechanism. So where if something's not working, it's not like they don't complain to the other salesperson. There's a mechanism where they can share that feedback to their leaders and also to, to marketing. And the same with marketing and sales. I've honed in on that why component too, because coming up through the content side and getting into content marketing, we often gate assets and materials in the B2B world and everybody in marketing is familiar with this. 
we ask who you are. We ask what you do. We ask where you are. We ask how to contact you. But maybe the most important question is, why are you here? Yes. And when you go into any sort of business, and it's been this way for like thousands of years, you walk into a deli. Why are you here? What can I get you? How can I help you? And that's the one question we don't ask in those forms. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's, 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 it's so critical. And salespeople need to understand that. And, and I think another key piece too, you have the why. And then, you know, you have all these great assets. And I find that marketing will create all these great assets. And then the, the, the salespeople don't really know how to use them. So there's a, there's a, I think there's a connecting the dots and the salespeople, they're busy. They're doing stuff. They're, they're right. They're talking to customers. So again, there has to be a mechanism in place to connect the dots for them to say, here's what we're doing. Here's what this means to your customers. You know, let's, let's work. And it's not a marketing message. It's also working with marketing and sales on what does that messaging look like? And again, how do we connect it to our customers? Right. What are the signs that marketing or business leaders can look for that tell them there's a better process or a different structure that might unlock for more growth for us? And, you know, I'm thinking of an organization where they're pretty happy with their growth, right? But you don't know your true potential. If you're happy with where you are, that's great. But maybe there's one or two things you can change that's going to unlock another 10% or whatever. Are there signs people can look for for that? I think that, that there's a couple, there are a couple different diff, different signs that you can look at. First of all, we can always grow to the next level, right? I mean, I think it's no matter what, we can continue to grow. And so I'm not sure if anybody's totally happy, ever happy with, with their, uh, or they shouldn't be with their growth, right? I would, you know, we say, what is it, grow or die? The one area that I think that one of the key indicators on the sales side, there's several key indicators on the sales side. One would e- even be how fast you can move somebody through the pipeline even taking a look at things like that, you know, because sometimes that, that can help if they get stuck in certain ways. To me, that's, that shows that you know, it could be, you know, sometimes I'll just blame the salesperson. Oh, it's the salesperson. They're not moving forward. But if there's, a, if there's kind of a trend where things are getting stuck at certain spots in the sales process, right? And it just, it gets stuck there. Yep. Then, then, then there, that means there's a systemic, there's a systemic problem there. There's something. Mm-hmm. If you could take a look at that, then you could almost get faster growth. There's a reason for that. Yeah, there's a pothole in the road and it's right there. Yes, right? exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's, that's one area. And, you, you know, I focus, I think, probably less on the technology and more on the people side of it, because there's so much with technology and they'll put all this technology in. And then you have some of the salespeople not using the technology, right? Or not using it to its full advantage. And that's why many times, even with like the pipeline, it's really taking a look at that again and seeing what are those different common common potholes, some of those common links. I think another area is, is taking a look at how fast um, it takes to get somebody, a salesperson onboarded. Like how fast, like that whole, that ramp up time. To me, that's another, if you want to call it pothole, that's another pothole where if you could get them ramped up a little bit faster, then that's going to get you better growth, faster growth, more of a return on that person. And that I'm thinking that that's when you talk about onboarding, it's not just all the HR stuff that everybody has to do and get it, but we're talking right. about from like hire to actually selling. and closing Yes, deals, right? yes, yes, yes. And, and, and what happens is some of the really large companies, 
they'll have like their processes and everything in the onboarding. But a lot of mid-sized companies I work with, um, they they don't have that as buttoned down as some of the really larger larger ones do. And so to me, that's a real opportunity because it'll take somebody forever to actually um, learn, 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 learn. Sometimes there isn't a process. <laughs> so it's kind of like a folklore process and or to even that there's not a process, even a learning the technology. Um, the sales manager hasn't really given them goals. Um, there, there's certain key things that if you can get some of that into place, that to me is a real area for opportunity and, and can actually unleash a lot of growth just by taking a look at the whole kind of the whole sales process beginning to end and some of those key metrics. So let's talk about processes since you brought them up. I've been through a few of these process documentation and review exercises where it's, you know, write down how this is done from beginning to end. I understand the value in that. I see why it's important, but I have an advantage. I'm a content guy at heart and I'm, I'm a writer. If someone says to me, write down how you do this from beginning to end and tell me how it's done, that's right up my alley. But it, it's not that way for everybody. It can be stressful for some people. I think there are some people who, when they're asked to do that, uh, get a little protective, maybe a little worried. I'm, I'm writing down how to do my job. <laughs> and, and they can hand that to someone else, right? So um, any tips on getting your people on board and developing a sound strategy for documenting, reviewing, and revising processes? Processes, we can we can overcomplicate them too, can't we? And when people love, no offense, yes, we can love process, <laughs> right? They love to put the process in place, and and there are a lot of people. You're right that don't. A lot of people, is it that they don't want to write it down, or they don't know how, or it's not in their wheelhouse? And I find that many times where people become defensive because they don't even know know how to do it. It's almost like it's been so. Some of the process, it's so kind of back in their heads. They've been doing it forever and ever. They don't even realize it's a process. And so right. it's muscle memory. At that absolutely. Point. Absolutely. And then, and then they feel a little bit, um, I guess, defeated. And that's where I think you get a little bit of the um, defensiveness. And so one of the things that I've learned that's worked really, really, really well, we're going to go back to the why. So first of all, it's the, why are we doing this and connect the why to the vision, connect the why to where the organization is going and, you know, there's a phrase, Dale Carnegie has a phrase, it's, you know, people really, they help build the world they create. And it's getting people to see their role in helping to create, create that world and build that world, that that's really important. So getting them to see it that way, I think too many times what happens if we just focus on process, process pieces and not the people and how we can influence them and how we can influence their value in creating that that's where then they're, they're more likely to help with the process. So that's the first part. Second part is many times we have to, after we've asked the why, we've got to make sure we're getting the right people actually creating the process. Somebody like me, I'm not a, a, a writer of process. I'm really good at creating it. I understand it. My brain works that way. So what I do is I attach myself to someone who's an amazing writer, a writer for process. So to me, what happens is organizations get stuck because they'll have someone write it who really isn't necessarily that good at writing it. And so I like to team people and say, you're a team and you guys are going to come up with the best process together. And, and then I think that also helps with uh, 
a, a little bit of not getting it as, as complicated and you're also getting everybody involved. And when you get people from different walks of life with the process too, it's, it's more usable. Because I think my, one of my biggest problems with process many times is people have it, they create it, and then it's kind of put away. How often should teams go and, and review their processes and say, is this up to date? Is this still the way we do this? And I, I get the feeling part of that is going to have to do with like growth of the company and growth of the team, right? If you go from 20 people to 40 people, you've probably outgrown some of your processes. Absolutely. Um, I think it's a, it depends. I think you need to, and I think you need to have a, here are the processes and almost like a listing or of kind of when we take a look at that. Anytime I think you have a change in an organization, as far as whether it's the, the vision, mission, values, or a, a, a direction, a sea change, everything should be looked at. I think that's, that's really important to make sure they're all connected. A lot of organizations I'm working right now with what's been happening in 2020, they're, they're really taking a look at all that. And, and they're really revisiting saying, okay, you know, um, how, you know, how can we change this? And, and, and what, can we, what can we do better, different, and all that? I think that's, that's what's happening right now. Another key piece to the process when you're talking about even, even the, the documenting and all that, it brings to mind how so many people, how they learn process. And, and you know, you, you ask the question about, you know, the timing. And I also think sometimes it's not just the writing of it, but then how do you get people to live it and integrate it into what they're doing? And I think so many times when people are writing it, they think it's that written word that people learn that way. And there are some people that do learn that way. Many people will learn, you know, by, by looking at pictures or they have to learn by modeling. So I also think it's important to build into the process, even if it's certain times, like I, I mean, I would say um, at a minimum annually looking at process. Again, it might be more than that, depending on the company and the type of process, but looking at it and not just looking at the process, but it's looking at, you know, kind of who's using it, how is it being communicated? How can it be communicated better? So it's not looking at it just linearly. It's also looking at it at all these other different components too and how it's being used. And then it's gotta be, it's gotta be revisited if you change your tools. If yes. you're talking about a process that involves your CRM system and then you get rid of that CRM system and you go somewhere else, guess what? You gotta go back to the process. Yeah. You gotta map it all, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's almost like the question should be every single time you change anything, how does this change the process and the processes that are connected to this? Does it need to change? How do we, how do we communicate this? And to me, it's how do we get this to live? Because there's one piece of documenting it. The most important piece is getting it to live in the organization. And that, that, that goes with, you know, leaders, how they're going to support it. Um, how are we going to get people to understand it and use it and reinforce it? You talked about the complexity we sometimes include in our processes. We, we sometimes make them maybe more complex than they need to be. Do we do the same in our organizational structure? Because I was talking to someone who works for, I'll just call them maybe one of the most recognized companies in all the world right now. <laughs> and they had uh, in a certain department, they had a rule. Um, they called it the two pizza rule. If you could not feed your team lunch with two pizzas, your your team was too big, is how they is how they looked at it. Do does our organizational structure get too complex? Yes, <laughs> I I don't know how people right now they struggle with with having too many people even report to them, 
And if you take a look at like employee engagement, you know, before, even before COVID, you had what 30% of the people disengaged. Part of that is because leadership, part of that is, is that you've got, you, you have people, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 people that they're reporting to directly. Whereas really um, five to seven is, is, should be the limit. And, and I just, I think that's, that's, that's part of then this whole, some of these whole issues with people, getting people to adapt, getting, getting, you know, you know, getting people, if you want to call it growing and unstuck. Also part of it where I think companies right now are, they're, they're, they're shoving so many things at people. You know, part of it is with, again, with COVID, it's like, okay, we're going to try this and we're going to, and we're going to have you do that. And I think so many times what happens is, is that people are just, they're overwhelmed and things keep changing and they're adding and there's only so much that people can pay attention to. So even like your two pizza rule, I think it's the same thing with how much do you put in front of someone and how much you get them, you get them to focus on certain things. Uh, you were just giving me segue after segue here because you had mentioned employee engagement in 2020. Yeah. Kind of where we go next. So. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> I swear we didn't script it, but. <laughs> no, I know, you know, 2020. Who would have thought? I mean, we all, you know, I, I did a, uh, I did a podcast last January and it was 2020 insights. And I was talking about 3%, you know, what is it? 3% unemployment and, you know, talking about leaders with that. And wow, you know, in a three or four short months, how that changed. Let's talk about the year ahead um, because we're recording this in the twilight of 2020. And you just mentioned customer employee engagement in 2020 for all of the talk about what happened in 2020 which changes are going to remain long-term and what are we going to leave behind? I haven't heard a lot of talk about business strategy moving forward. So maybe things like remote work are going to be embraced more, or maybe they're not. But what's your advice from a strategic standpoint for business leaders as we hopefully start to pull out of this mess in the coming year? What should they be doing to maintain their growth or restarting their growth if they're hanging on? First of all, they have to look at the true reality, their true reality. Um, many times I, I hear right now a lot of hope, and I think hope is really, really good. Yet at the same time, we also have to have the, the facts. And so it's really kind of understanding where are we? And that's what's my true reality. And, you know, it's funny, one of the, one of the um, uh, leaders was talking to me about, about his the CEO. And he said, you know, he's so optimistic that there's not some reality and then I'm really concerned. So number one would be making sure that your reality is, is I, guess your, I guess your hope for 2021 is grounded in reality and that some of your goals aren't like, well, we're just going to go back to the way we were. Because I do hear some of that where it's like, okay, well, this is going to be over with pretty soon and we're going to get back to where we are. No. So the advice would be really take a look at this past year. What do you want to keep? There's some things you might want to keep. These changes brought forth some things that, that you might want to make sure that you, you continue doing. What do you want to maybe restart? And then what do you want to do new? And really stopping and saying, stopping and saying, what's our plan? That's one. And really understanding that. And it's not a plan for a hope plan, but it's a realistic plan. And knowing that it's not just going to be out of the gates. 2021 is going to be just shiny and rosy again for many, many people. For the organizations who are, it seems that have just grown gangbusters, because there are a lot of those that have. They really have they also, you've got to be careful with that because you're growing like just crazy. Stop. Again, same thing. 
you know, what are we doing? Are we getting the profitable growth? Where's the growth coming from? What's our plan? Are we taking care of our people? I think that's a really, a really key piece. It's really stopping and taking a look and not just forging ahead and not going based on past, but really trying to take a fresh view. That's one. Next would be making sure you take care of your people. Um, I am hearing so much about burnout. Um, it's funny, someone said to me, I'm sick of being resilient. I'm tired of the changes. And, and it's, I'm, I think we're gonna see this resurgence of um, igniting kind of like a re-engagement and a re-engagement of the culture. It, that's gonna be different. And people are gonna have to find new and different ways of getting to people. I think that there are gonna be long lasting effects of burnout and, and, and stress. And, and I think, you know, I think, I think leaders are gonna be a little bit surprised by that because in a way it's gonna be like, here's our plan, let's go, it's great. Whoa, 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 what, what, what's wrong? And I think people are gonna be, they're just, they're tired. You know, many of us are tired, whether we're overworked because it's really busy or we're stressed because of our jobs and trying to find work, whatever that is. And so it's keeping that people side of it. And I think that needs to change. Three is gonna be, we're gonna to have to adapt even how we do business. I personally think there's gonna be a hybrid. You know, what I'm hearing from companies is a lot, you know, it's funny, March people were like, this is gonna be all virtual. It's always gonna be virtual now, it's all changed. And you know, I'm in the training world and even training is gonna be all virtual. Well, then as it goes on, people are like, oh my gosh, you know, it's hard to do, it's hard to create the relationships always. You know, we've got Zoom, you know, Zoom burnout. So if you think about it, so I personally think it's, it's looking at it where it's more of a blended, a hybrid approach. And then also taking a look at what is a hybrid approach for not only people being in and out of the office, and it's also how do we lead everybody and making sure that we going forward, I think we're gonna have to change our communication. We're gonna have to change how we lead people. We're gonna have to change. And when you talk about process, probably taking a look at a lot of that too, because it's, a, it's, it's gonna be a new world. Yeah. You mentioned growth and, and understanding your growth and where it's coming from. I was talking to somebody who works for a company who's who's done pretty well throughout this because their product puts them in a pretty good spot. And a lot of their growth, a lot of the budgets that they now have been able to provide to marketers actually comes from not doing all the field sales work. So we're not paying hotels and airlines, and now we can use that budget to marketing. And that's great. I mean, it it's kind of growth, but it, if you go back to flying people around and sending them on trips, then you don't have that budget anymore. Yes. It's, it's more of a shift of dollars than growth, if that's the it situation is. you're in. Right it now. is. And, and even thinking about the impact, so not just saying, oh, we're going to do that, but re- you know, shift those dollars. And maybe you say after the impact, you're like, this is the way to go. Um, maybe it's not the way to go. I think it depends upon the strategy and taking, and taking a look at the long-term strategy. You know, also one of the things that I always have people, I always ask the question, ask yourself the question of all these different changes, kind of what does this allow for? So if you think about all these different changes, you just mentioned that, what does this allow for? And then what's the impact? And getting them to think through some more long-term, I guess, situations. And I think the other thing I remember talking to a CEO, March, April, back when all this was new. um, And one of the things that he and I talked about was the unevenness. We were both in the Northeast where the situation was really bad at the time. If we connected in the summer, the situation was fine and now it's bad again. So if you have people in different places and your customers are in different places, what is your reality where you are at this time is still not going to be their reality. And that's 
probably going to stick around for most of 2021, it looks like at least. Yes, totally agree. You know, obviously it's meeting people where they are, meeting the customer where they are, meeting people where they are, and always having that in mind. Um, I strongly believe that's even at a personal level where, where, you know, whether it's customers, leaders, companies, I mean, there's some companies that are saying, we're not going to have any outside people in here. Other companies are fine with that. I think, I think we're going to see that for the, we're going to see that for the next year or two, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I really do believe that. And so it's, it's, it's not just assuming people believe the way we believe and have that same approach and even having a business plan based on something like that, but actually taking, taking a look at all those different factors. Now, I also think, by the way, you can take a look at companies. I even think inside the company, I used to tell my team when you're talking, you know, when you're talking with people, right, to, to, to understand they might not have the same views you are you know, whether it's, you know, COVID, anything. So it's making sure that you meet them where they are and understanding where, where they are and understanding what that is. And that's at a personal level. It's also at your customer level too. Yeah, I think we've all sort of had to adapt this year to people deal with this in all sorts of different ways. And like you said, you gotta, you gotta meet people where they are, right? Right. It's, it's everybody and none of it's bad. It's, we're all different. We're unique. Yeah. And so right. it's bad or good, it just... It, it, it knowing that it is right exactly <laughs> it is what it is it is what it is <laughs> and then right. you say what does this allow for then what does this change allow for and I think if you have that that mindset it's really it's interesting how it really unleashes more of a growth mindset versus a oh my gosh this is happening what are we going to do right it's right. okay what can we do what does this allow for us to do now what kind of changes can we make and kind of getting that mindset around it and not just at the leader level, at the company level. And to me, that really helps unleash innovation, collaboration, and growth within, within the company. And then people can see also when they're part of this, they're seeing they're part of that vision. And I think that helps people um, stick with the company because I think we're going to see if companies aren't, I think within the next few months, if companies really aren't connecting in with their employees I think we're going to find where we're going to have people really looking for other jobs as the job market starts coming up when people aren't taking care of their people and if people don't see how they connect in, I think that's, that's going to happen. So now as leaders, we need to see, especially, you know, our high potential people making sure that we're taking care of them and they see where they fit in and they're part of the solution and the ideas. Take care of your team. That's one of yes. the big takeaways from all this, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. The question that we have asked everyone on B2B Nation over the last few months, what is your favorite tool? What's the thing you find yourself using every day and you say, I just can't function or be as productive if I don't have it? LinkedIn. Aha. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's funny. It's, it's a lot of people use it for, you know, the um, you know, selling piece of it. I use it to connect. Um, I've been very fortunate to have been a lot of different companies. I've lived in a lot of different places and I have amazing contacts, business contacts. And I love it because I can stay connected with all these different leaders, different people. I can see what they're doing. I can see what they're interested in. Um, so I'm a connection person. That's really important to me. Second thing is, is it's where I can get my aggregated data. I don't have to go and look at a lot of different places. I can see all these different great articles and trends and things that are happening because I'm pretty busy, just like I'm sure you are. So it's a great place for me just to go and kind of scroll and read different read different articles in one place and, and less time than it would be to go out and look at all that information. Yeah, it used to be 
it, we moved on from a job and you would keep connections with some people and not with others, but who's got the time to get on the phone and talk and catch up? And I think that's like a big part of the value of LinkedIn for a lot it of is. people is, you know, what it, what is that guy I used to work with doing these days? Oh, here yeah. it is. Like yeah. 20 years ago, very hard to do that. Yeah. Right? No, it is. And, and I'm a connector. I'm a connector and I'm a people. <laughs> so I love, I love it. I love having all those different relationships and even you can just send a quick note, you're right, versus having to, you can't do like an hour call, but you can do a quick note to someone and just, you know, birthdays and just, just, just let them know you're there. So I, I, I love it. So I love LinkedIn. All right. Karen Kimsey Sward, happy holidays, happy new year. Thank and you. we hope better days are ahead for all of us. They will be. Thanks again to Karen Kimsey Sward for being our guest on this episode for Technology Advice. I'm Mike Pastor. B2B Nation wouldn't be possible without the support of the Technology Advice team, especially people like Amy Dunn, Sarah Wingate, and this podcast 2020 MVP, Emily Whalen. We're not going to change our theme song in 2021 because it's composed by Mnemonics in the Guild, and we think it rocks. Catch you next time on B2B Nation.